This is a Hog Sports Network podcast. You're listening to the Whole Hog Football Podcast, bringing you the latest news, analysis, and more. Here's your host, Matt Jones, with Scotty Bordelon of the Hog Sports Network and wholehogsports.com. Arkansas is 2-0, but there's some red flags about this team after they beat Kent State 28-6 on Saturday. It was not a very clean game for the Razorbacks. They were uh, uh, just kind of felt like they slept walked through the first half. And we mentioned on the podcast last week, I don't know that we ever meant for it to come to fruition, but we talked about if Arkansas sleepwalks through the game against Kent State, they ought to be able to win the game still because of the the difference in talent. And I think Kent State got Arkansas's attention and they got a better game from the Razorbacks in the third and the fourth quarter, but they just did not look very interested in playing early on against Kent State. And uh, it, it was a lot closer for a lot longer than I think anybody expected for it to be. Arkansas came in as a 37 and a half point favorite. They end up winning by 22. The game was never really in doubt, but you just didn't like the way that Arkansas played. We'll go over it today with Ethan Westerman and Scotty Bordelana, Matt Jones. Uh, Scotty, let's start with you. Just your overall takeaways from from that game. Yeah, it wasn't very pretty at all. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that whatsoever. It was, uh, I thought it was kind of a, a weird game. And, you know, Sam Pittman brought up the point about, you know, Kent State kind of going to a four corners type offense. Uh, I thought it was an interesting analogy, but you look at the box score at halftime and Arkansas's up, but Kent State's had the ball for over 20 minutes. And they're really limiting the number of possessions that Arkansas had. And it was a pretty good idea because, like, if you're you're limiting a potentially explosive offense, um, but the offense was struggling. Um, so they were kind of playing keep away a little bit. I think Kent State had the ball for, gosh, all but, you know, maybe a couple minutes in the first quarter. Um but then in the second half, I think it kind of flipped. I don't think it was intentional on Arkansas's part. You know, I think they would rather, you know, not have to use 15 plays and 12 plays and eat up, you know, seven or eight minutes of the clock to score. Um, that's just kind of the game it was. You know, I think um, Arkansas's passing game wasn't as sharp as it was the week before. And when your passing game's not sharp, in addition to, you know, your run game not clicking, um, it, it can lead to, you know, not, not a pretty showing uh, for the offense, obviously. I think it was a, a good thing that, that Arkansas's defense regrouped after the first quarter. I think they gave up 75 yards of offense to Kent State in the first quarter, but they only gave up 125 in the, in the final three quarters. So the defense came to play again. Um, it was a good thing because Arkansas's offense was was not sharp. I think – you know, I've been this year. I've been tracking Arkansas's offense series history. Uh, in week one, they had the ball twelve times, um, and then against Kent State, they had nine possessions. But they, you know, they had an end of half possession um, in each half. So really, they only had the ball for, you know, seven legitimate possessions. So it was, um, yeah, it was an it was an interesting game and. You know, I think they're 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 going to go back and look at some mistakes, and they definitely got to get it cleaned up for for BYU, who obviously will be a a much greater test than than anything they faced the first couple of weeks. Ethan, you went down and talked to Kenny Burns, Kent State's coach, after the game Saturday, and if you didn't know any better, you would have thought Kent State won the game based on how happy he was with his team's performance after they lose by fifty in the first week, and how disappointed Sam Pippen was with the way Arkansas played. Yeah, no, he was. I mean. 
he made sure to make it clear he did the coach speak of like, oh, we came to win, no moral victories, that type of vibe. But you could tell he was pretty pleased with what he saw. I mean, you think about that first half, you're an Antonio Greer pick six and a funky touchdown pass from KJ Jefferson away from Arkansas, probably trailing in that game Um, going into the halftime. Uh, Kenny Burns, he did say that he really thought it was a tale of two halves, though. You know, Kent State owned the time of possession in the first half. I think they held the ball for roughly 20 minutes. Second half, though, Arkansas kind of just completely flipped that script, uh, like Scotty alluded to. Just Arkansas, I think, had four drives in the second half. One, It started off with that fourth down attempt um, that was a turnover and downs. It set up that short field for Kent State that they came up empty on. But aside from that drive, Arkansas just they just had long sustained drives and blood the clock, you know, their next two possessions were uh, really time eating touchdown drives. And then they probably would have scored on that last one had they had a little bit more time. So it seemed like, yeah, Arkansas cleaned up some things in the second half um, really tried to establish, you know, it's run game a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I think overall the vibe in Kent state's locker room was, Hey, we just, we just, did way better than we did the week before. I mean, if you watch that UCF game, they, they didn't look competitive in it. So um, yeah, I mean, red flags definitely for Arkansas, especially just with that start. And, you know, if I don't probably a focus thing, you mean if receivers are dropping passes like that, like we saw um, a lot of times, that's just a focus thing. So yeah. um, not was not expected by me to have a game that close, but um, it seems like Arkansas did make those proper adjustments there in the second half. It felt to me like Arkansas kind of came into this Kent State game with the same uh, maybe game plan that they had against Western Carolina the week before, which was to, uh, you know, not show your hand uh, to be, you know, vanilla is kind of the, the term that you hear thrown around offensively, uh, maybe to a certain extent defensively too. And, you know, really come in with a small playbook and, and try to beat Kent State with just kind of this, you know, baseline package of plays. And uh, it worked against Western Carolina, worked quite well. They got up to a, a big lead at halftime in that game, uh, but it, it did not work against Kent State. And, you know, so, I mean, I think that as you look at Arkansas, uh, you know, from an offensive standpoint, especially because of all the problems they've had running the ball, uh, you know, I don't know that we've really seen the full Arkansas offense. I don't know that we've even come close to seeing the full offense yet just because I think they thought that they could get by through these first two games with, uh, you know, even Sam Pittman alluded to this after the game. He said the plan was not to run KJ Jefferson. They had to make a, a decision at halftime that they were going to run him or, you know, they knew that they they might not be able to, to score a lot of points without that threat of the run game. And I just think the threat of the quarterback run game uh, really changes this offense. And so, yeah, Scotty, what do you think? I, I guess where I'm going with this, I, I just don't know what to really think about this offense yet because I don't think we've even come close to really seeing what they're capable of doing because we're we're seeing them withhold so much. Yeah, I would I, I tend to agree with that. I think, for one, I don't think we have seen the full offense, but I think, like, the full offense includes, like, an unlocked KJ, don't we think? Like, that's, that's part of what makes the offense dangerous is, you know, KJ's ability to just, you know, take a snap and, you know, barrel forward for, for yards that you need and, you know, to kind of cut him loose in, in the run game. Um, I think if, if Arkansas, and this may be like a post week two overreaction, 
but I think if if Arkansas wants to, you know, have really really good success on offense throughout the year, I think you've kind of got to cut KJ loose. You know what I mean? Because I don't, you know, I think the next maybe walkover game per se on Arkansas schedule is late in the year now, and so you look at you know, the first couple of weeks not being able to run the ball real well. You know, KJ can. You know, if you, you put the ball in his hands, he can make things happen when there's not really anything there. I think he I think KJ is gonna have to be an important, vital, big piece of the run game uh moving forward, especially, you know, you're going into this week without Rocket again. And, you know, I don't it didn't Sam didn't seem like he knew if Rocket was going to be available for LSU either. Um so I think, and I, I I really don't even want to bring this up, but I was talking yesterday um, with somebody that we work with, and I'm just like, you know, when Auburn had a Cam Newton, you know, they used all of Cam Newton, you know what I mean? And that's part of what brought them the success that they had. And, you know, you can, when, when Texas A&M had Johnny Manziel, they had their big year, you know, the year that, you know, he won the Heisman and, you know, they went into Alabama and and won a game. He was fully unlocked and they just kind of let him, you know, do what he was best at. Um, I think Arkansas's maybe now is the time that they're going to have to just let KJ be KJ. And, you know, we heard a lot in the preseason about, you know, you're probably going to see KJ throw more this year. I don't have any doubt that, you know, they're going to turn him loose in the passing game too. But I think if Arkansas's offense is going to hit its full potential, I think it's got to be, you know, with uh, KJ Jefferson that's unlocked in the running game. Like, I just don't think at this point, I should say at this point that, you know, Arkansas can hit stride in that run game with, without KJ being a big part of it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any doubt. They've got to have him running the ball. They've they've got to get more RPO. I think into their offense. We just we just haven't seen that RPO threat very much. You started to see a little bit in the second half of the Kent State game, but uh, it, it certainly didn't exist uh, in the in the first half of that game, and really didn't see it in the first game against Western Carolina, with the exception of what I think was going to be a called run for Dominic Johnson, and Jefferson pulls it away and and runs it in himself. Ethan. Yeah, and. Kenny Burns did talk about after the game that he thought that was just a really good adjustment that Arkansas made was running KJ. He said that they were, you know, adding one in the box to try and take away Arkansas's run game. So Arkansas in the second half used the running back as the lead blocker and ran with KJ. And I heard KJ say in the post game that he kind of likes, you know, that first pop. It kind of gets him going uh, the first time he's to. So it, I agree with Scotty. I think it's one of those things where it's like, if if the running game is part of what gets KJ going and what makes him, you know, the quarterback that he is, I'm not sure. I get it. You you don't you don't want to put his body on the line probably as much as last year. There was you saw that if he was out of the game, um, Arkansas didn't really stand a good chance to win. But you brought in Jacoby Criswell, who the coaches seem extremely confident about. If it has to come to him, I just think that if you take away KJ's run game, kind of something that he even says gets him going. Um, as much as as much as maybe uh, people are fearful they might, um, I just don't know if that's the right move. One more thing before we uh, get maybe to more some some more positive aspects of this game for Arkansas, Scotty. 
you and I look at the the pro football focus stats every week or the grades. You you look at it a lot closer than I do, but I was looking through it over the weekend and the offensive line grades really were not that bad, at least, you know, for some of the individuals from this Kent State game. What do you think the disconnect is between what those grades were and what we saw on the field? Because there there something doesn't jive with the the PFF grades and and 308 yards of offense against a team that gave up 723 the week before. Yeah, I don't really know. That's a, a good question. I mean, I don't I honestly don't know how PFF grades. Um but again, you know, you look at some, the the guy that's graded the highest is Patrick Kudis and then Bo Lemmer and then Josh Braun, Brady Latham and and Devin Manuel in that in that order. Um you know, I think it it could be just kind of the fact that like, you know, I don't think the offensive like the offensive line I think has has gotten a lot of heat in the first two weeks. Did again last week just because I think a lot of people had a perception and probably rightfully so that Kent State just wasn't that good. Mm-hmm. Um but it could be a fact that just like, you know, Arkansas didn't have that many chances to score the ball to be honest. And so maybe, I don't know, I don't even know where I'm really going with this, but I don't think that Arkansas's offensive line played that bad. It's just that we didn't see them playing a whole lot, you know, you know, outside of the, outside of the second half. I just, I don't really know. It just, it, it's crazy to me that, you know, Arkansas really only had like seven true possessions in that game. And um, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question, Matt. I'd, I'm far from an offensive line expert and Sam Pittman obviously knows a lot more than I do about it. But um, regardless, I think, I think the offensive line's got to improve. And, um, you know, Sam, after the game, he was getting a lot of questions about the offensive line in the run game. And um, I think it was like the third question that he'd gotten about it. He was just like, guys, look, I've been doing this for over 30 years and, you know, kind of know what I'm doing and I think we'll, we'll get it figured out. But, um, you know, I think there's still, there might still be some shuffling to do on, on the offensive line. And at a certain point over the weekend, maybe I was bouncing it off somebody I was sitting next to may, may have been Ethan or, or Tom. I was like, I was wondering if there was a world in which Arkansas's best five up front includes Bo Limmer not playing center. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cause he was naturally the right guard last year. And you've got a guy um, that you recruited, I think from a junior college Amari Wiggins, who's a, I think he's, I think the backup option at center, if I'm not mistaken, I, I can't remember what the depth chart looks like. Um, I don't know. Maybe that was an overreaction and maybe you just got to give these guys some, some time to gel because, you know, sat, last Saturday was the first time that, you know, your starting unit was playing or the starting unit that you at this point prefer to be your starting unit. It was their first time playing together, you know, in a, in, a, in real life game. Um, so maybe, maybe mm-hmm. that's going to take some time for, for those guys to gel. Well, Pittman did say after the game, he said, guys, the reason we're not running the ball doesn't have anything to do with the offensive line. I didn't really expand on that, but, uh, you know, he did kind of maybe give a couple of brief little glimpses maybe into what his thought process was. You know, he mentioned that there were some kickout blocks where the running back didn't didn't follow the blocker the way they were supposed to. Uh, there, there's so many little subtleties, I think, to, you know, running the ball and offensive line play that, you know, sometimes it's easy just to to blame the line when we don't really know what all is supposed to happen uh, in a play. I, I think that there's something to what you said about the fact that the the five best linemen 
have not had a whole lot of time together because you had uh, Latham out with an injury uh, concussion, we think, uh, during the preseason that, that caused him to miss uh, also that first game against Western Carolina. You know, kept him out of practice for a certain number of days. You had Devin Manuel start the, the preseason as the first team tackle. Then he goes out with concussion protocol, uh, doesn't get to practice some other uh, days because of an ankle injury. Uh, Andrew Chambly steps in there. And so there hadn't been just a, a whole lot of continuity, I think, between those front five. And I talked to Limmer and Latham during the summer uh, for a story about how, how comfortable they are playing together. You know, and, and that was something that they mentioned to me was that, you know, they're interested to see how this is going to go during the preseason because in the past, those players, the two of them and Ricky Stromberg and Luke Jones, and I mean, that those guys knew each other. They played together for a long time and, and they were interested to see how this was going to go because there was not that kind of familiarity there between them. And, you know, I think that uh, maybe that's something that has to to build over the next couple, three weeks. Uh, one other thought on, on, um, on Limmer at center, it, it does not look like he is as comfortable at center as it looked like he was at guard last year. Uh, he's had a couple of snaps uh, that have, you know, obviously gotten away from him, you know, and then, I'm not watching him every play, but I noticed some plays the other day where, you know, he just missed the guy in front of him. And I almost wonder if sometimes, I think center is probably one of the toughest positions to play along the line. And I, you know, I almost wonder if maybe there's just maybe a little bit of overthinking going on there. You're thinking about the snap and it's causing your, your get off time to, to be delayed. I don't know. Uh, I do think Wiggins is the backup center there. And, you know, I've had that thought, you know, I wonder if, if Limmer may at some point, move back to guard because it would allow them to get their five best offensive linemen on the field because of that move. I don't know if that's what happens, uh, but it's certainly something I've thought about. I think that they do think that Limmer's future is at center in the NFL. And so you want to get him as many snaps uh, at, at that position as possible, but you also have to weigh that against winning games. The whole hog football podcast is sponsored by Kendall King design displays signage, Kendall King.com. That's K E N D A L K I N G. The Kindle King Group family of companies plays to win, just like our hogs. We know how demanding retail marketing is today. From digital omni-channel creative services, through in-store signing and displays, and finally to social influence, we've got you covered. Our KKG Inc. family of companies, Kindle King, Shopcart Creative, and Soapbox Influence are winning with multiple retailers and brands. We play to win and we'll be a winning partner for all your retail marketing service needs. Go Hogs! Well, we've discussed a lot of the things that didn't go well for Arkansas on Saturday. There were some some elements of this game that I think are, are worth uh, celebrating for the Razorbacks, notably defensively. They played really well defensively, like uh, like we mentioned earlier, especially after the first quarter when Kent State uh, controlled the, the time of possession in the first quarter. After that, Kent State had a, a hard time keeping its offense on the field. It finishes with just 200 yards of offense. They run for 26 yards on 36 attempts. It's a 0.7 yard per carry average. Uh, they did complete a good number of their passes, but they also got sacked on about a third of their dropback attempts. Arkansas finishes uh, the game with seven sacks. Defensive line, I thought, looked really good for Arkansas. And I don't know that we've seen them really get challenged yet because, you know, Kent State, Western Carolina, they don't have the guards or the tackles that are going to be anywhere near what Arkansas is going to see, probably even starting this week with BYU, but certainly the week after when they play LSU and A&M, Ole Miss, Alabama in consecutive weeks. Uh, but but I think the, the defensive front for the type of competition they played, Scotty, has looked pretty good. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it was good to see Trajan Jeffcoat, you know, get loose a little bit. And I don't think he recorded a single statistic in the season opener because I was writing his SEC co-defensive lineman of the week story on Monday and was going to go back to see, you know, what his season numbers were on CFB stats. And his numbers for the season are what they were on Saturday. And I remember, I think it was, the play maybe early in the game, I looked over, <laughs> I looked over at Ethan, and I'm like, "All right, Jeff Coat, like it's it's time to it's time to do something." And then literally a couple seconds later, he chased the chased the uh, Kent State quarterback over to the sideline, and I think he got a a sack on that play. He ended up, I think, with a, a sack and a half, uh, two tackles for loss, and uh, he teamed up with I think it was um, maybe Pooh Paul on that goal line stand. And so he's making his presence felt a little bit. Um, still really impressed with Jaheim Thomas. You know, I think his 12 tackles the other day were a career high, had two more tackles for loss. You know, I think he's a guy that, you know, I talked about it maybe last week. Um, he's got a lot of know-how at, at linebacker. And I think that's been, I think the addition of him and the, at, at linebacker has been a big deal, especially with Chris Paul you know, being hampered a little bit with that that MCL injury from the preseason, that's been really, really important um, to me. I think he's he's one of three guys in the SEC right now with at least 20 tackles, and the two guys that are ahead of him play for Vanderbilt, who's played three games. Um, so he's been, been really productive. Sam's been high on him. I think he said he's been their best guy at linebacker, their most consistent. Um, yeah, he's been he's been pretty good. Uh, and I think Arkansas did pretty well in the past game, considering they didn't have Dwight McLaughlin out there, but for one snap. Uh, I think the the biggest thing in the passing game was they let the Kent State tight end get into the flat a couple times. Uh, and then there was the deep ball that, that Keon Stewart gave up. But other than that, um, I think Keon Stewart played fine. And it was I, w- I was honestly really surprised that he was the guy that that rolled out there uh, last weekend, given uh, the trouble he was in, you know, just a little bit over a week ago. Um, but it seems like I guess he's making making amends for the mistake um, that he made ahead of the opener. And um, we'll see if if Nudie is able to go this weekend. You know, he was um, he's dealing with a turf toe and he was back at practice on Monday. I thought he looked to be moving fine. Um, but I, I, I just, I've never had turf toe, but everything I've read, especially from a lot of folks on our board that, you know, have had it or know people that have had it, um, not an, not an easy injury to come back mm-hmm. from quickly. Um, so we may see a lot more Keon Stewart this weekend if Nudie's not able to go, but, um, I think anytime you give up, you know, 200 yards, uh, of total offense in a game, I think that, I think that should be commended. I think anything with your feet uh, is is tough to come back from, whether it be your turf toe, plantar fasciitis. It seems like anything that involves your foot, uh, injury wise, is 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 really hard to come back from. On that deep ball that Stewart gave up, I I don't know that he could have played it a whole lot better. That was just a great throw and catch by the the Kent State receiver. And uh, you know, to Scotty's point, the the expectation is that McLaughlin will probably be back for this weekend's game against BYU. You know, really third down, I thought was a, a big key to this game gets overlooked a little bit, but Arkansas, they go nine for 14 on third down. That's a pretty good number against Kent State. They were one for two on fourth down. The, the miss was the the negative running play by Dominic Johnson early in the second half. Uh, the make was a, a keeper by KJ on a fourth and two that extended one of the touchdown drives after halftime. 
Uh, and, and on the flip side, Arkansas got off the field on third down quite a bit after the first quarter. And, and Ethan, I think, you know, we talked about this a lot. One of the, the key reasons uh, was the pass rush on third down. Four of Arkansas's seven sacks came on third down. Yeah, Kenny Burns said that, that they're a team that they just need to stay on schedule. They're not, if they get in a third and long, they're just not a drop back team. You know, they have five new O-linemen. Their center is a, He's a freshman. They just they don't do well in drop back situations. So whenever Arkansas was able to get them in those, you know, I think specifically back to that drive right after half, whenever Arkansas, you know, I think Sam said that he should have gone with the Sam analytics or whatever he said. Whenever Arkansas went for it on fourth and two in their own territory and gave it back to Kent State, um, that that drive, whenever Arkansas was able to get the stop because Landon Jackson was able to pressure him on a, I think it was third and twelve. Um, maybe third and 10. And they ended up getting Kent State almost back to midfield on that play because Landon Jackson was able to apply pressure and get an intentional grounding call. That Those situations just kill Kent State, it felt like, all game. The third and longs uh, just so often resulted in sacks. Um, so, yeah, I think that Arkansas, you kind of have to be pleased with the D-line play through two weeks. I know I've seen some people kind of, ratting on the D-line a little. I just don't really know what they're seeing because it seems like they've kind of been the difference maker so far through Arkansas's two games. Um, they've applied a lot of pressure. Um, I've been impressed with Kiwi Rose, too. I think that he... I, I just feel like all the time look up, looking up and saying, oh, Kiwi Rose just made another play. Um, so, yeah, I think that that was a big key in Saturday's game was those third and longs in the D-line really really just putting uh, their quarterback, Alamo under a lot of pressure. Um, also, I think that it was impressive to see again, you know, another linebacker get a pick six the way that Antonio Greer did on Saturday. Uh, yeah, I think that was his first ever snap as a Razorback and just the way that he timed that, uh, timed that pick and brought it to the house was kind of cool to see. Arkansas is one of, I think five, uh, maybe six teams in the country that have two defensive touchdowns so far through, um, through two weeks. So Mm -hmm. I think so far you have to be really impressed with the defense collectively. I mean, they've done their job. Whenever you're allowing uh, 19 points through two weeks combined, uh, I mean, I don't really think you can lay much blame on the defense. Greer, that was a perfectly timed jump, and then the the ability to catch the ball and outrun the the, the opposing players with, I guess he's been dealing with a quad injury. But that was kind of uh, impressive on his part. I mentioned this the other day. You know, we got those pictures of him. Uh, from that play, he looks like he's straight out of maybe like a Joe Kynes defense in 1991 or something. The you know he's got the midriff, you can see his belly. He's got the cowboy collar. Uh, he looks like an old school linebacker for the Razorbacks. Uh, that's uh, uh, by the way, that's the first time Arkansas had back to back games with a pick six interception uh, since 2016. Brooks Ellis had one against TCU that was such a big play in Arkansas's win down in Fort Worth, and then the week after, Ryan Pulley had one against Texas State. Uh, so, you know, you don't see that very often, back-to-back games with a pick six. At least we haven't seen it uh, from the Razorbacks. You know, as we wrap up today, the thing I think is interesting as Arkansas plays BYU this week is that I think both of these teams coming in really wondered, what do we got? BYU, they beat Sam Houston State 14 to nothing in the season opener. They came back, they beat Southern Utah the other day, 41-16. to Both of those games were played in Provo. Uh, Sam Pittman said that he thinks Sam Houston's a pretty good team. I think that was a national champion at the FCS level within the last three or four years, one of those years that North Dakota State didn't win it. Uh, I think Sam Houston won it, or if, if they didn't win it, they got to the championship game. But I'm, I'm thinking they won it one of those years uh, here recently. 
so, you know, I think that for, you know, for both of these teams, it's like, you know, what do we have going into this game? And, you know, for Arkansas, I, I think that uh, in some ways, you know, you look at this as the last two games might be a, a warning sign as to what's to come. But, you know, I, I think we've seen in the past where they've had some good teams. I, I think about the team two years ago that had a, a, a lot of trouble with Rice in its first game in Fayetteville, and, and that turned out to be a pretty good team. Sometimes you just need those wake-up calls, and and I think uh, Kent State could potentially serve as that for the Razorbacks. Yeah, and, and you listened to Sam Pittman after the game. I think it was Saturday. It, may, it could have been Monday, but I think it was Saturday. Um, I think Tom asked to follow up. He was like, you know, you're coming out of week two, don't really know exactly what you have yet. But Sam said the first thing that he does know that he has is KJ. And I think KJ was talked about in the preseason as like the team leader, not just the the guy on offense, but he can like galvanize the entire team. And I think now after two weeks and you're heading into the part of your schedule where it's about to get really tough, I think he's got to be your guy. I think you ride him. I think you'd be smart with him, but you also understand that there are very few players in college football that are like him. And I think you have to treat him like he is the rare kind of player that he is. And you let him lead your offense and you let him lead your team. Um, and I think I think this is going to turn, if it's not already KJ's team, I think it's really going to turn into his team uh, in, in the coming weeks. And then, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, you recruited – to get dudes who can make plays. And I think you feel good about the defensive line. Um, I'm with Ethan. I think the defensive line's played better than, you know, maybe some people are giving them credit. I mean, I'm looking at the final stats from the other day. Tank Booker had a half sack. Landon Jackson had one. John Morgan had one. Kiwi Rose had a half sack. Jeff Coat had a sack and a half. I mean, those are, they're, they're making plays for you. Um, and you feel good about Jaheim Thomas. Uh, at at linebacker um and then in the secondary i think you've played two games and you've given up two deep balls but you haven't let anybody get behind you yet uh, i think that's i think that's a positive so and i think in the next few weeks i think you're going to see a kj takeover um and then you just you know you hope that that your defense um plays to the the standard that it it, it thinks it's set for itself the first couple of weeks and you know, as easy it is to as it is to look at that Kent State game and just come up with a lot of red flags, I think you still saw a lot of positives off on offense still. Like you said, uh, KJ just showing how he is kind of that rare player that can completely change a game. You know, once he got more involved in the run game in the second half, it just Ar Arkansas just looked a lot better. I, I think that that was a positive. Tesla, just seeing him come up with two crazy difficult catches. Uh, I think you definitely have to feel good about him moving forward, that he's a guy that going into conference play can, you know, maybe be an X factor in some games where he makes a play that maybe, you know, on a third and long, that if you had somebody else, you aren't going to make that catch. Um, Armstrong, I know Sam alluded to the fact that he thinks that uh, Armstrong's doing better than he thought he would be, uh, you know, while he was recruiting him in the offseason in the portal. I think that you've still seen enough positives on offense that though there's some definitely some concerns with, you know, maybe some line play and the way the running backs are performing right now that you've seen enough that you have to feel good that you're sitting here too. And oh, I promise it's 
beating Kent State 28 to to 6 in the second week is a lot better than I think it was 2014 losing to Toledo in game 2 and sitting at 1 and 1. I you know, it wasn't the prettiest win, but end of the day you won by 22 points. A lot of teams struggled over the weekend with with teams that they thought they ought to beat pretty bad, like Tennessee with Austin P, Kentucky with Eastern Kentucky, Missouri with Middle Tennessee. So it wasn't a problem just with Arkansas. Uh, you know, we focus on the Razorbacks. But I, I think that, you know, you just kind of – college football, you don't get preseason games. These are the preseason games. These are the games where you get, you know, the kinks worked out. And uh, maybe that's why you don't want to play a big game the first couple, three weeks of the season. Arkansas is not going to play its first Power 5 game until Saturday against BYU. We'll be back uh, later this week to talk more about BYU. Uh, look a little bit closer at the Cougars team. Also talk about Rocket Sanders and another absence and, and what that might mean for the Razorbacks this weekend. Until then, hope you'll visit us at wholehogsports.com. For Scotty Bordelon and Ethan Westerman, I'm Matt Jones. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you later this week on the Whole Hog Football Podcast. The proceeding has been a production of the Hog Sports Network. Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hog Sports Network reporters on social media.